this was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge, and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move, because I know I'm seeing a monster. to the show everybody you're listening to the confessionals i am your host tony merkel thank you for being here if you have a crazy wild experience you want to share with me on the show go ahead and shoot me an email my email address is the confessionals at the confessionals podcast.com that's the confessionals at the confessionals podcast.com or go to the website the confessionals podcast.com hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well either way works for me just get a hold of me if you want to hear more shows every week on thursdays we release a bonus show to members only on the website so all you got to do is go to the confessional podcast.com hit the join button and become a member today you'll get access to this thursday show all previous member shows and of course all future member episodes so if that interests you go to the confessionalspodcast.com hit that join button and become that member today now this year is crazy i got my brother jack in the studio with me 2020 jack tell me how do you feel about it <laughs> i feel the same as probably everyone else does let's move on from 2020 it's crazy let's go to 2021 yeah it's absolutely crazy and one thing has been teaching people this year is you need to be prepared because if i would have told you last year at this time hey jack make sure you start stocking up on toilet paper because it's about to get crazy what would you have told me i would have thought you're crazy who would get who would buy that much toilet <laughs> right. paper i know it's crazy but it really is a very important thing for people to do which is prepare for those emergencies and that's why we have the website now prepare with the where people can go and get emergency preparedness food that lasts up to 25 years shelf life and if you get the four-week supply we'll knock a hundred dollars off for you right away there's a lot of great things on that website not just food so go ahead and browse around and if you want to become more prepared i suggest you start there at prepare with the now jack i got some people who have some questions for you before we get into the show today did i tell you about this no you did not this is a surprise you're a a jerk (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i posted on instagram that people should ask you anything and i'll read the questions to you on air and so we have a few people who responded in the last couple hours saying they want to ask you a question so are you ready for these heavy hitter questions jack Let's go for it. Let's go for it. (laughs) So first off, we have Shut Up Aaron, and she says, has Jack 
had anything even slightly paranormal happen to him? Yeah, I guess so. Probably the biggest thing that has happened to me that was paranormal in my life was at the cabin in Chautauqua. Yes. Um, you know, I think I may have even shared this experience once before, but by far it was the most, you know, eerie yeah. and paranormal thing that I could think of. Uh, we had, do you want me to go into it? Go for it. Yeah, yeah people are going to love this story. We had, uh, we had been, you know, Tony had been asked to go speak at a, at a, Bigfoot conference, yeah. and I came along, tagged along like I always do, you know, just having fun. Helping. You help Helping. a lot. Sure. But we we had a cabin, and um, at this cabin, at first, nothing seemed odd. We unloaded our stuff, got ready. We were headed over. You did a great job with the conference. We came back Thank that you. night, and uh, once we got there, there's, there was something a little crazy. Uh, we opened the door. To me, it was crazy, I should say, and there was a handprint on our door, on the glass door, the storm large, door. Very large handprint. And the weirdest part about it was it wasn't mine. I you know, I'm a I'm five foot five, so I'm pretty short. And it was above my head. So like it it wasn't, you know, me pushing the door open. It was it was above my head height. Yeah. And it was at an odd spot for you too. And yeah. <laughs> I I was just like, Tony, this is weird. And he's like yeah, it is a little weird, you know. <laughs> was it wasn't me? I didn't do that. I didn't think much of it though. Like no. you, you, you paid a lot of attention to it, and I, I just, I was like, I don't know what you, because you, you got a little freaked out by it. I was like, what is wrong with you? But I think you sensed there was something off because I didn't sense anything. And then the night went on, and it was like, whoa, some stuff actually happened. But that handprint was at the very top of the door, like, and it was sideways. And we're talking about a door yeah. that's what seven and a half feet tall. And so it was just a weird spot for a handprint, very so, awkward shaped. So that was the start of it. And then it just, the night got weirder. Like, yeah. I mean, we heard noises in the wall yeah. and we were like, well, maybe it's a mouse or something like that. And and then we ended up, you know, kind of pushing that off and just going to bed. Well, don't skip the part where we heard the noises in the kitchen. Like we were hearing noises all over and stuff. And we heard the the tapping noise in the kitchen. And so we went over to the kitchen and we could like, we were standing there looking at the top corner of the kitchen where the wall meets the ceiling in the corner. And we could hear the tapping coming from there. And we couldn't identify it though. It was yeah. just, there was just like this, this tapping and it was sounding like it was intelligent tapping. It was like rhythmic and uh, it was, it, it was a little, it was a little unnerving, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, I obviously I'm a pest control technician. I, you know, I have yeah. a pest control company. That's something I would know if it's a mouse usually. And it did kind of have that light tap, but it was intelligent. But anyway, so, <laughs> so we move on through the night, we go to bed and, you know, we set the heater for like, you know, a low temperature just to keep it warm enough. Cause we're, yeah. we're both, you know, hot bodies. We're not going to be like, you know, we don't hot want it. bods. Yeah. You know it, but, <laughs> but we didn't want it like crazy hot. So I set it low. The temp was low. Yeah. And uh, we woke up at maybe, well, actually first my glasses or your glasses, I think it were your glasses just got knocked off of the the nightstand. I think they were yours first, but yeah. Okay, so it was my my glasses first got knocked off the nightstand and were so far down to down, you know, past uh the bed frame and they were so far down past the bed frame that they were at my feet. Yeah. Right? So that was the first thing. They were basically flung across yeah, the room. Yeah. Yeah, almost all the way across the and, room. And and before you go too much further, we woke up, we heard that and we both thought each other did it. We didn't think anything of it. And we went back to bed. Right. I mean, it wasn't like we were, you know, going to wake up in the middle of the night because of glasses, right? So my glasses flung off. Then 
we have you and your glasses, right? And the weird thing was your glasses were at a spot on the nightstand that you could not have hit them and I wouldn't have reached them. They were on the opposite side of the lamp and... You're misremembering this. Am I? Yeah, just in the sense that your glasses were on your side of the lampstand, mine were on the other side of the table, and there's a lamp in the middle. So your glasses, then the lamp on the table, then my glasses. And when your glasses went flying, you thought I did it and I thought you did it. But I couldn't have done it because if I would have done it, I would have smacked the light. Yeah, and And, the light. And so when my glasses went flying off doing the same thing, we both looked at each other like, what the heck? And that's when we kind (laughs) of woke up a little bit. And I was like, did you throw your your glasses and my glasses? And you're like, no, I thought you did it. No. And that's when we noticed the temperature, right? Yeah. So you're right. I totally, that's right. I completely forgot that that's how it was set up. Yeah. So forgive me, but. Then the temperature. So we wake up and I think you were in like a full sweatsuit. Like you had a sweatshirt on and sweatpants, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I I mean, I always wear shorts and a t-shirt, but I was wearing a hoodie too because it was chilly. And you, t- <laughs> you were hilarious, man. Like we wake up and you're just like, I am dying. It is so hot in here. We go out, we check the heater, and you're like stripping I, your sweater and your your sweatpants off. I got down to nothing, man. I was like, I'm he was like he was he was toasting, and I go out and check the heater, and we looked at, we were like, what the heck? The heater isn't even up that high. It was it was where we had set it. It was low. Like, no, you remember remembering this again wrong, dude. It was high. That's the thing. We had it set low. And when we went out there, it was turned all the way up full blast. That was the thing. Oh, wow. Wow. I have bad memory. I'm, so, I'm starting to question whether uh, <laughs> whether I should ever have you on the show for an interview. My Lord. <laughs> hey, look. I, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I was just a little bit off that night. I don't know. Like we walked out there and we looked at the heater and we both knew that the heat, heat was set to low and... Then it was on full blast, you know, like furnace blazing, like oh, something man, yeah. turned the heat up. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm like misremembering this. Whole <laughs> you don't want to remember I, this. I think that's what the it paranormal was, freaks you out, and you don't want to remember this kind of stuff. And like my reaction the next morning would make sense then, because I yes. literally like packed everything up within the first before 30 I went to speak. Yeah, it, well, I mean, even before you were done in the shower, I was like, I had everything <laughs> packed up. I didn't even load it in the car yet, but I was ready to go. Yeah, I mean, that was weird because. We like, I mean, we know that we we wouldn't have done that. We wouldn't have put up, you know, the uh, the heat that high. None of us were knocking and flailing our arms, knocking the the glasses off the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just weird. I've I have never felt that kind of like creeped out sensation before. Unless you know, unless you're talking about like I watched a scary movie and then all of a sudden I'm like seeing a ghost around every corner. Um, and that's happened with Signs. I that movie freaked me out. Really, man. Signs? Oh, I was like ten when we. Oh, no, I was yeah, even younger than yeah, that when we saw yeah. it, and I was like, "There's an alien in my attic." Yeah. So, but yeah, to give people a little context on that story as well, uh, the following year that conference went off, and there were other people that went to those cabins, and they had experiences too. And I guess some people were there from the previous year when you and I were there, and so they were like, "Tony Merkel had experiences in his cabin too." So one of the people contacted me and said, "Hey, you know, I had some experiences and stuff, and apparently, like, he actually had an entity." come into his room like it like i think it sat on him and stuff like like he, yeah i remember you saying but that. he talked about the furnace being turned all the way up full blast and everything and so uh i don't know if it's the same cabin or if it's something going on with those cabins but definitely some activity and actually i think i talked to him <laughs> i think i brought him on for 
man, I think it was like a patron's exclusive back when I did Patreon. So I have to look through the archives. If I don't have it, maybe I should bring him back on and actually record it again and stuff and share it with the people because it, it was such a good conversation just because we were kind of like reminiscing and sharing notes and it was really cool. Yeah. But uh, you you had something else happen at mom and dad's house. I remember you texting me something oh, that you were freaked out about something. But then you're like, no, it was nothing. It was nothing. <laughs> Well, like the dude, you, like me with paranormal, I typically try to explain it, you know, in any way, se- uh, shape, or form. I'm gonna try and explain it, you know, ha- what was going on. Yeah. Um, and I just I kept hearing like a voice like constantly that night, and it was the weirdest thing. Like I was sitting there, and I had the TV off actually at that point because I I was wondering if maybe, and it had already, you know, I heard the voice, so I turned off the TV just to see if it was that bouncing off a wall. And I still heard the freaking voice. Could you tell what it was saying? No, I couldn't hear what it was saying. It was just like jibber jabber almost is what it sounded like. But it was a higher pitched at one point and it just kept getting lower and lower and lower and lower. Um, and I like even walked around. I went down the basement. And I was like, what the heck is happening? Is it a heater? And I texted you. <laughs> I was like, you know, yeah, dude, I'm hearing things. <laughs> I was like, I got really, I got really creeped out because A, it was late at night. Uh, B, I was hearing voices. I just didn't know what they were saying. And it just is the same. It was almost the same feeling I had when we were at the cabin. Like it just, it was yeah, it's weird. like heavy and dark, you know? That's interesting. I mean, it's, I wish there was more to the story because hearing voices at mom and dad's house intrigues the heck out of me. There may be more to the story. I can't remember anything from the other one. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I just, I mean, you say gibberish and I start thinking, well, did, was there a Bigfoot outside going, you know, like, no, I don't know. So it was like, if you heard whispers almost, like if you were, if you were hearing somebody whisper and you couldn't, it wasn't, it wasn't intelligible okay. English, like you couldn't hear it, so, but you heard the, the words almost, right? Yeah. So it was almost like, uh, just whispering, but like, was it like fast, rapid pace whispering? No, 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 no. And it was like, the the thing was, it was like right over my shoulder. So Jeez. like that was the thing that was Woo. weird. I, I like, and the way that our, the house was set up when I was living there was just not, it, nothing could have been over my shoulder where I was, you know? And it just freaked me out like crazy. But it was only in one spot though. Like it wasn't like it was following you around the house. No, because then when I would walk around, so if I, like, I, like I said, I went down to check uh, in the basement to see if it you was- You went into the basement? Yes, because, well, because it's the, I'm not really, like, that didn't freak me out. It was the, the fact that- The basement's creepy at mom and dad's house. It is creepy at mom and dad's house. It looks like a but, like a dungeon cellar where you would, like, keep people locked up and <laughs> chop them up. That, especially that back room. Like, <laughs> like, like, let's put this in context. The house itself is, like, 100 years old. Yeah. And the basement, it, it, one time it was just a dirt floor, and the previous owners just laid cement. So it's very short. Like, I'm six feet tall, and when I go down there, I got to duck hard because it's only, like, five feet of a ceiling. Yeah. And- they have a big room and you know old house and it's built with you know the the rocks and everything for the foundation and it always has like a little tiny creek running through the yeah. basement into the yeah, drain that goes out in the yeah. Schuylkill River and so like that's kind of creepy it's moist and there's always like cobwebs and spiders and and well maybe not anymore <laughs> no, I was you treat say, the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah not anymore you not treat anymore. the house now so but then there's this back room that it looks like if you were just to stand in the doorway and just try to imagine what you could see in this room like i i've done that before when i was at the house i used to live there and i i would look into that back little tiny room and i could just almost imagine like a wooden chair and somebody like chained to it and like just like a torture scene like it it just (laughs) it is a creepy basement it is creepy but the thing was like kind of 
almost like I felt like I was on a mission to figure out what the heck was happening. And there you go with your logic again. Well, I mean, sometimes that's the thing that calms me down, I think. So I looked at it and I was like, mm, I'm going to go check and see if there's like the water heaters maybe making noise, yeah. you know, checked it out. Nope, no, not at all. Went back upstairs, sat down. Hey, here's the voice again. I was like, what the crap? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> man, that had to be scary, man. So let's move on to some of these questions here. Uh, what's the biggest fish you have caught, if any? Um, I have no idea. You have I no was idea. like 15 the last time I went fishing. Well, I can Maybe tell you that bass. you and I went fishing off the bridge over the Schuylkill, and we we caught that 18-inch bass. Yeah. We caught... I mean, we always catch sunnies there. But yeah, I, but oh, that, you know what? We that, almost had that catfish the one time, yeah, too, though. That was, that was pretty big. Some but, line snapped, right? Yep. Yeah. But Which was typical. But uh, yeah, I do remember that, because <laughs> I remember there was like... It was you, me, and... Was it was it Dustin or someone else? But I, I'm pretty sure it was one of them. Um but anyway, and I remember even, uh, I think probably the personal like best I've caught is like seven inches, eight uh, inches. It was a smallmouth bass or something like that. Well, that definitely wasn't a fishtail. No, no. I caught Goliath fish. <laughs> Has anyone ever gifted a Sasquatch a lighter? Would they be able to learn how to use it? That's from Mike McFly. And the previous question was from Dane Yurk, U-R-Q, Dane U-R-Q. Anyways, Mike McFly, what do you think, Jack? Mike McFly, I would say no, but if they did, that would be pretty cool, and they probably would be able to figure it out. I feel like they, if they, somebody gave him a lighter, flick it open, so light that light up. It's interesting that that Mike asked that question because I just did a, a recorded interview with uh, I was on Tim Foyle Hat podcast with Sam Tripoli, and he asked me to come on with. Uh, uh, Darcy Weir, who does a lot of document documentaries and stuff, and uh, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, and we were talking Bigfoot. And uh, at one point during this conversation, uh, you know, Meldrum had mentioned about you know his idea of Sasquatch, obviously having some elite intelligence in the realm of what they are, not that they're human intelligence. He doesn't believe that they're nearly as smart as us. Uh, but I asked him. I said, you know about the intelligence level and i brought up the video of the bonobo on youtube that learned how to uh, make a fire and cook food over the fire and stuff like that and i said do you think that sasquatch if a bonobo can learn that from youtube videos do you think a sasquatch could just maybe observe people starting fires and um you know start a fire and I, i'm not sure if i mentioned about the idea of, of a sasquatch observing people uh, to learn how to start fire, but I brought it up that could Sasquatch learn how to start fire, then use it because, uh, you know, Native Americans back in the day, you know, they tell these stories of how the Sasquatch used to use fire until I guess they learned that that's a way for us as humans to find them and they stopped using fire. That's one of the stories I heard. And, um, and Dr. Meldrum said that, no, he doesn't believe that they can learn how to use fire. And I was really su surprised by that because I thought he would have agreed with me on that idea. But uh, and he had a whole explanation. I'm not going to you know, dare to try to repeat here. You have to go listen to it uh, when the interview drops. I'm not sure when it's going to drop, but it should be soon, I think. Um, but uh, that's the Tinfoil Hat Podcast. So if you don't want to miss it, go ahead and subscribe to the Tinfoil, tinfoil Hat Podcast. But um, 
Yeah, I just found it really interesting because that was a conversation that we had. And I, I really thought that I was going to go in a direction where he was going to say, well, if Sasquatch spent a lot of time around humans and watching them start their campfires, maybe they would learn. But I also think he was thinking of along the lines of Sasquatch getting a box of matches and things like that. Uh, I wonder if Sasquatch saw, you know, maybe it stocked a, a a person who, you know, prides themselves on living off the land and not using modern tools. And they learned how to or the person is using, you know, the the uh, caveman way of doing things with the <laughs> sticks and starting a fire with friction. Uh, I wonder if if he would have had a different opinion if he would have thought of it that way when I asked that question. I don't know. But anyways, thought it was interesting. And I thought it was interesting that Mike McFly asked that question. <laughs> uh, last question here, or actually, we got two more comments here. But last question, I think it is uh, real. Mr. Bumstead uh, gets a little disrespectful here and says, are you going to be a nerd forever? Uh, Jack, feel free to answer this any way you'd like, because uh, from this side of the table, uh, I might clown you and stuff, but a nerd? No. You don't think a I'm nerd. a nerd? No. Aww, no. That's sweet. That'd be too much of a compliment. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's not that bad of a comment. <laughs> hey, I can disrespect you. I'm your brother. Okay? I actually, I said it in the show. That's why, I think oh, that's why that's they're right. saying that's it. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. I called myself a nerd because of the joke I said. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be a nerd forever, and I will be unashamed of that. I do not think it's a bad thing, and nerd is not at all, like, uh, it's not derogative to me. I think it's hilarious. Gotcha. Okay. So... <laughs> so I didn't think of it in that context. I thought this guy was just coming out of nowhere calling you a nerd. I'm like, bro. Nah, I don't got my pocket <laughs> protector. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Real Mr. Bumstead, you're off the hook with me, sir. <laughs> Carry on. Anyways, <laughs> uh, next up we have Colleen, and she's a great fan of the show. Her and her husband, Virgil, uh, they're members to the website, and they're very active with the comments and just talking back and forth and stuff. And I just... I absolutely love them. They just moved from Washington State to uh, Northern Idaho. Uh, cool. They're they're kind of like retreating away from chaos, and uh, it, it's they're really excited about kind of turning this leaf over into their new journey in life. Uh, but Colleen says, "Just a statement, not a question." Jack, you make me laugh, ner- nerdy or not. So there you go. <laughs> whether, whether you're nerdy or not, you make Colleen laugh. Thank you, Colleen. I'll try to keep making you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good with the, I'm good with being a nerd. Yeah. So, Jack, are you enjoying producing these monthly wrap-up shows? Oh yeah, man, I love it. I'm awesome. having so much fun. I'm I mean, glad you're I hope it. you, I hope you all enjoy it too. Especially you, Tony. I, I'm doing this because I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you doing it, man. To be honest with you, man, I really do. I think it's turning out great, and uh, you learn from the best. So, you know, the uh, better be turning out pretty good. Yeah, yeah, the best. Hey, sometimes I got you know, pat myself on the back because I walk around this house and nobody does it for me. So, you know, I just, sometimes I got to make myself feel good around here. You know, like you, you just take me for granted sometimes. I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Listen, this week we got Bridget coming on the show. She's got a lot of great stories. Let's just get the Bridget and get this show rolling. All right. Today we got Bridget on the show. Bridget, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Tony? I'm doing good. So we just got done talking for like an hour. Like, <laughs> I, know. I, I looked at the clock. and I was like, holy crap. But it was a good conversation. And uh, we're going to do this interview now because uh, you have, you know, things that happened to you throughout your life chronologically. But uh, you contacted us about a funeral home that you saw something manifest. And before we get to that, though, I want to kind of have you paint the picture as to how things kind of unfolded throughout your life that kind of got you to that point. So if you want, just kind of start start us off with, you know, where things go from here as, as far as, you know, 
where did your first paranormal experience happen? How did it happen? Things like that. Sure, definitely. Um, so I, I've lived in Connecticut my whole life. So most of the stories that I'm going to tell you are, you know, based here. Um, and Connecticut's like old, it's got a lot of history and, and therefore I think a lot of ghosts associated with it. <laughs> but um, the house I grew up in is where it all kind of started. And I was born and raised in New Britain, Connecticut. And I lived in the same house for 18 years um, growing up. My parents bought it before I was born. And I think it was probably built in like the 1930s. But that house had a ton of activity. It wasn't just me that experienced things like my neighbors, family members, best friends. And um, I never actually saw an entity there. But it was like growing up, there was always a presence in the house. And odd things would happen. Like, Like the room that I had growing up was called the nursery. And it had actually been the nursery prior to my parents buying the house. So um, that's kind of the room where everything was centered around. And when my parents got the house, they had my brother. He was just a baby. He wasn't even like a year old yet, still in a crib, just a little guy. And I remember the first story is my mom had him up in the nursery. That was his room before I was born. And she was downstairs. It was a very large, like, basement, you know, main floor and then uh, second floor house. And she was downstairs, and my dad was at work, and my brother was up in his crib sleeping, or supposed to be. And then <clears throat> all of a sudden, she hears, like, movement and stuff coming from up in the nursery. She doesn't hear John cry. She doesn't hear anything, like, just this kind of weird dragging sound, like movement. And she's like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> so she goes upstairs, and she goes into the nursery, and my little baby brother is out of his crib. And I'm talking like 1980s full-size wooden crib. Um, he's out of it. He's like holding, he's on the ground, holding the crib by its leg and dragging it around the room by himself on the hardwood floor. And just like kind of walking around holding onto the crib. And she's like, what the heck? <laughs> and my mom doesn't believe in the supernatural. Like she just couldn't mentally figure this out. She picked my brother up, put him back in the crib checked everything out and she just couldn't figure out what happened but i vividly remember that story just kind of it's a great segue into that house yeah and then um in that room some more stuff did happen so but we'll, we'll stick with my mom for a second she another weird thing had happened where i was a newborn baby and my dad he he kind of like he was a federal agent actually so he was just like customs irs sort of and so he would be out of town. He couldn't really tell us where he was going often. So he went out of town and my aunt took my brother to help with the kids. And my mom kept me and I was just a little baby. And I believe what she did is she had a crib downstairs in the dining room of our house, which actually was almost directly below the nursery. And then she had my main crib upstairs so she could you know, put me down upstairs or downstairs wherever she was. So she's doing things in the house, cleaning and kind of, you know, just doing her own thing. And all of a sudden she hears me crying. So, you know, mother's instinct immediately, she hears me crying from the nursery. She goes up to the nursery to check on me. And as she's walking up the stairs, she's like, wait, Bridget's downstairs. But she's like, but I hear crying. So she continues up, goes down the hallway, enters the nursery, nothing. So then she runs back downstairs like, okay, you know, she was crying down there and it just echoed. And she gets back down to the dining room where I'm in my crib. And she said I was sound asleep, like totally knocked out. 
And I mean, I know you, you know, babies, like they don't just start, you know, crying loudly and then immediately go back to sleep, like within a minute. Um, so she, she's like, what the heck? So she runs back upstairs and kind of like tears the room apart looking for toy or anything. And she just couldn't explain it. You know, the windows weren't open. There was nothing outside. Like she distinctly heard me crying upstairs and it just freaked her out. But like I said, she doesn't believe in the paranormal. So she kind of just chalked it up. And it was one of the stories that we heard growing up. So kind of tying in with that, I'll flash forward a little bit. When I was um, 16 years old, I was in high school, I had a car, and um, my best friend Angela and I, we came home after school, my brother wasn't there, my mom was still working, and at this point my parents were divorced, Um, so it was just Angela and I in the house, and so we're kind of hanging out doing whatever, and the phone rings, and so I answer the phone, and it's my next door neighbor, Rita, and Rita lived... um, directly across from the house where the nursery room is um like just right across the street you could actually look out the window and just see her house and wave to her and we were really friends um her daughter was best friends with my mom and uh we always hung out and stuff so she called and she said oh can i talk to your mom and i said um no she's babysitting because one of her jobs was babysitting um another friend of the family's kid so she was off babysitting so I said, no, she's babysitting. And she said, no, I know. Can I talk to her? And I said, no, Rita, she's babysitting. She's like, I know she's busy, but can I just talk to her? I said, no, she's babysitting. She can't, you know, talk to you. And she said, I know I can hear the baby crying from across the street. Can you put her on the phone? And I was just like, huh? And I said, baby crying. She's like, yeah, I can hear Morgan, who my mom was babysitting for, crying across the street. And I was like, no, she's at Morgan's house. And I like hung up the phone. Wow. We were like, what the heck? So I grabbed Angela. We left. We went to like McDonald's or something. And I explained to her why I was so freaked out. And she's like, I didn't hear any baby. There was no baby in the house. You know, what the heck? But it kind of was par for the course of that house. Weird stuff would happen. Like my dad, before he left, he moved out when I was like six. So he lived there for quite some time. He said he used to hear footsteps up in the attic upstairs and he would go up there and take a look around and he could not find anything. And um, then Rita's daughter, Margaret, who was um, best friends with my mother, when she would walk across the street, she would leave our house and then walk directly across the street to her mom's. She said sometimes she would look back at our house because she would feel like a presence. And in the nursery window, there would be an old woman just like standing there watching her. And yeah, that room was like very uncomfortable. I actually switched um, rooms with my mother um, when I was a preteen because I just couldn't sleep in that room. Like the closet door, I'd close it at night. I'd wake up in the morning, it'd be wide open, you know, just really random weird stuff. And then my stepsister, one time she was sleeping over um, and she was in my room and I had two twin beds in there. And I woke up earlier than her and went down to have breakfast. And my brother and his friend, Jimmy, were there and my mom. And so we've been sitting around like the dining room table eating pancakes and stuff all morning. And my stepsister, Erin, comes downstairs like half asleep. And she's like, okay, you guys, that's not funny. And we're all, you know, everyone stops eating. And we're like, what? She's like, you know, it's not funny. I was really sleeping and I'm tired. And she's like upset. And so we're all like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, who was hiding in Bridget's closet calling my name? And we're like, what? Oh, <laughs> None of us. Oh, man. <laughs> What do you mean? We're like, we were all sitting here. She's like, no, it would just happen. 
you know, woke me up and I don't know who was in there or how you got out, but it wasn't funny. And we're like, Aaron, we've all been sitting here for like an hour. It wasn't, but somebody she swears was in my closet calling her name. I'm like, oh my God. That's the worst. And that, yeah. was, that was your closet? My closet. Yeah. The, the nursing oh, room. I would have a hard time <sighs> sleeping in there. I did. I did. I moved shortly thereafter out of that room. And then I didn't have any problems after that. I did have a friend, Matt, um, who came over once. I threw a New Year's Eve party. You know, I was in high school. My mom was out. So my brother and I threw a little party. <laughs> but it wasn't like a rager. It was just a few friends came over. And I think we like went out spray painting or something. It was not even like anything <laughs> fun. <laughs> there was no alcohol or anything. So Matt had went downstairs to get some spray paint cans from the basement and our basement in that house was really freaky because it was an older house. It had like part of it was dirt. And then there was like, it was just a very old, scary, unfinished basement. So he was down there looking for spray paint and we were all outside on the porch upstairs waiting for him um, outdoors. And he runs upstairs and he's like pale and shaking. And he's like, I got to go. I got to get out of here. This, you know, this house is just messed up. And we're like, what? What happened? You know, <laughs> what happened, Matt? It, basically, he said he was downstairs looking for the paint. And all of a sudden, he heard like whispers and like a hush, like, hush, hush, like circling around him. And he just felt lightheaded and he ran upstairs and out of the house. Um, he doesn't know what they were saying. And, and Matt's like a pretty solid kid. He doesn't make up stuff. Um, so we just left. <laughs> It was really freaky. Yeah, that would be terrifying if I experienced that. I mean, that's that's straight out of horror movies. You know, the yeah. idea that that you just hear whispering, but you don't understand what it is, especially if it's happening in a house around you. My lord. Yeah, in like a dirt cellar. Like, yeah, it was creepy. <laughs> so he he never actually went back into my house, I don't think. And he was a good friend of mine. Um, so they're really. I mean, I guess just growing up there, it was always uneasy feelings and kind of weird things happening, stuff we couldn't explain. But I never saw anything. It was more of just a feeling of always being watched and and kind of ominous feeling. And then everybody else experiencing things. So things really actually got interesting for me when I moved out. Um, so I moved out. I lived in an apartment in New Britain, um, kind of close to where I grew up. And this was another old house. It was a three-family, probably built in the 30s as well. Um, and I, I rented that place for like two years, the top floor. And I never felt comfortable there. But I didn't have any experiences except my cat. I had like a young new cat at that time, Neo. He would like almost like meow scream like he was like going crazy chasing things all through the house. And he'd jump up at the ceilings and try to catch them. And there was like nothing there. You know, I'd follow him, look, you know, my friends would be like, what is he doing? And he would just do this all the time, chase, you know, things that we couldn't see. So one day I snapped a picture of him when he was doing it. And um, I have it on my computer. It's like a digital image. And when we looked at it, online, we put the card in the computer and took a look at it. There was all these orbs around him that we, we couldn't see, obviously, until we took a picture of them. They were like all different shapes and sizes. And he's like looking directly at them with like wild eyes in the picture. So do you think that he was seeing all those orbs and that he was just jumping like crazy trying to catch them and stuff? Or do you think he was only seeing maybe like one? I don't know. I, it always felt honestly to me like he was playing with something because he was really into it. And he was literally jumping to get something like at the ceiling. Wow. Like he was following something. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So the only other person that, I mean, the only person that 
experienced something in that house was my ex, Remy. We were in the bedroom and it was like dark and late at night. And she was like, whoa. And she was looking towards the door leading out of the bedroom. And I was kind of like on my phone or something. And I'm like, what? And she goes, I just saw a woman standing in the doorway of your bedroom, like just standing there. And, and then when she looked at me, like the, looked back, the lady was gone. So was there something there? Maybe that's what Neil was seeing. I don't know. I never saw it. But he chased things in that apartment like crazy until we left. And then he never really did that again. You know? Wow. Um, so that was, that was kind of the only thing there. And then when I think of other experiences, like kind of chronologically when I was dating Remy during that time frame, the only other thing that happened to us is we were in Northampton, Massachusetts, like for like a long weekend. And we, and I, I can actually, I'll try to see if I can find the name of the hotel. I was looking earlier and I couldn't find it. But we stayed at a, an old hotel that was this like really long um, quarter type hotel with all the rooms off the sides of the hallway, really old school, probably, you know, built in the, the 20s or something. And we went into our room, we first checked in and everything, getting ready. And I go in the bathroom to get ready. And Remy's out, you know, unpacking. And all of a sudden, I try to come out of the bathroom to, to get ready to get my clothes and stuff. And I try opening the door and it won't open. And I'm like, huh, I didn't lock it. So I'm knocking to her. I'm like, did you lock the door? And she's like, no. So then she's trying to open the door and it won't open. And there's no lock that I can see on my side or her side. So I'm like, all right, stop turning the handle, you know? So she stops. I can try. All right, you do it. She tries. I'm banging on the door. I'm starting to get nervous. All this time, I'm not holding it. She's not holding it. The door just opens. Uh, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. I'm telling you, like, I, I swear that's happened to me before several times. <laughs> it, it's it's one of the most odd things is when you're both struggling to open a door, you both let go of it and it freaking opens. Gosh, yeah, I've heard that too many bizarre. times. <laughs> but like we weren't like, it was like I had been holding the handle and then I let go and then she was trying it and then she let go or, and, and then it then it opened. So we weren't like, it wasn't like the pressure. I don't know. It was really weird. I can't explain it so it's not that exciting but i swear that something was holding that door because we just could not get it open it wasn't like stuck either you know yeah it felt like it was literally locked well i i I tell you i mean i've heard people tell me very similar stories i've experienced very similar stories it's one of those things where people that's scary (laughs) it's just scary because it's like it almost makes you feel helpless. Like you're trying, nothing's happening. As soon as you stop trying, it decides to let you let, let you out. It's yep. just like, my Lord, nope. <laughs> it's like, I'll decide when you get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> no thanks. So it's, I feel like in my life, things have started, or maybe I just started paying more attention to them as, as things got weirder. You know, when you're younger, I think you kind of just write things off. But as stuff started to happen to me, and I think growing up in the house that I did, I you know, I really did start paying attention. So then I got married. So me and my ex, Chrissy, we bought a house in Plainville, which is kind of near the town where I grew up um, in 2008. So that's the time frame of this. The stuff with Remy was like 2002 that all that was happening. So 2000, 2008, we buy a house and her and I had been together for a while. We got married and um, had dogs and like, we never really had any kind of experiences together. You know, like my, my current, my fiance, Lindsay, like we've experienced a lot of things, but Chrissy and I never really, you know, there was no supernatural stuff happening until we bought that house. 
so we bought a house in Plainville and it was like a really pretty um, basement, you know, first floor, second floor, a nice house, a couple of bedrooms, um, had really good energy, bright windows. And so I thought, hey, everything's going to be great here. Well, weird stuff started happening in that house. And I would say this is probably some of the most dramatic things I experienced. Um, the first thing that happened is we put our bedroom up in the attic. They had like this kind of one level, like open floor pan attic where it was like a studio and it was, had a bathroom up there. It was just beautiful. So we put our bedroom up there, you know, foam, closets, clothes, everything. We just settled right in and the energy up there was a little off. So I kind of, I'm like, let's move the bed to the side of the room. We kept kind of like reorganizing and just never really felt right. Well, it makes sense to me now because that's where all the activity happened was in the attic. So one day we're in bed and I had like this really cool old rotary phone um, plugged into the wall next to us. And it was kind of like for show, but it worked. And we're in bed and we're just like kind of going to sleep. And we hear like ting, 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 ting. And I'm like, you know, I wake up and I'm thinking, Oh, someone's trying to call, but it didn't sound like the phone was ringing. It was just like, ting, 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 ting. It really out of beat, sort of random tings. So I pick up the phone, nothing, you know, dial tone. So I put the, the handset back down and we start trying to go back to sleep. And it happens again, but it got even more like sporadic and weird. So I just unplugged the phone. <laughs> I said, forget that. Well, don't you know, it continues. So I ended up taking the phone and putting it downstairs and then getting rid of it promptly thereafter. <laughs> and we didn't put a phone back up in the bedroom. So I don't know what that was, but it was kind of like the beginning of some of the weird stuff that happened there. Because then one day, um, we were upstairs doing some things. And at, when you go up into the bedroom, like you kind of go up the stairs and you enter into like a long sort of room. And then in the middle of the room, there's a bathroom with a shower stall and sink and everything. And the sink had those old knobs that you like, they were like, look like they're crystal, but they're plastic. And you have to turn them to, you know, you have to turn the hot one and then the cold one to get the water to turn on. So we're sitting up there doing some stuff. And then all of a sudden, Chrissy and I hear the faucets go on full blast. And I look at her and she looks at me and I'm like, what the? And now we're both standing, not near the bathroom, but in the, on the same level, there's nobody else in the house. And the faucets turn on full blast. So I'm like, you could go turn that off. I'm not doing it. Yeah. So, so she did. She walked in the bathroom and I'm like, she turns them off and, and she comes out. I'm like, what, what happened? What, how did those, she said that they both were turned on full blast. Like it's not like a trickle or like a surge of water or something. So she just turned them back all the way and it shut it off. So, you know, I don't know. I looked up like plumbing reasons that could happen, but the knobs wouldn't turn. Like that to me is just, I don't know. I have no explanation for that. It never happened again. And it really freaked me out. And then, you know, a couple of years later, it didn't end up working out between me and Chrissy. So we got a divorce, like a separation. So during that time period, like she stayed in the house, it was on the market and I, I was staying with a friend. So she texts me one day and she's like, just so you know, you know, if you're showing the house, the bedroom's downstairs now. I'm like, why? Why'd you move the bedroom? She's like, I just couldn't sleep in that room anymore. I'm like, what is, you know, she wouldn't really tell me. So later on, she did confess that um, she kept hearing footsteps upstairs 
and it was just really freaking her out. And she didn't, there was no one in the house, but her and our, or one of our dogs. And so she just finally was like, contacted some friends and was like, can you help me move my bedroom downstairs? So that that's kind of like what really, oh, and then one time, <laughs> this isn't that, that great, but it was really scary. I was watching, um, some, you know, haunting interviews on television of people who had hauntings and stuff. And it was like the culmination of a really scary scene on the show. And all of a sudden the power goes off in the house, like all the power just shuts down. <laughs> nope, no storm, no nothing. Like, you know, it was late at night. I had to go downstairs and turn the power on by myself. And I'm just like, I don't know. It's just lots of scary, weird, unexplainable stuff would happen in that house. Yeah, I think the sink was the, the thing that freaked me out the most. Yeah, that, I mean, that's classic, right? I mean, that that's classic yeah. horror movie type thing where, you know, spigots turn on and off or yeah. um, lights or whatever. So uh, I, I would definitely be freaked out by that stuff as well. And, and it's like, what, how does that, how does that happen? Like, <laughs> I know. And I, I have never been in a position where I live in a house where things like that happen. But if it did, I'd strongly consider selling the house and moving out. Yeah, it <laughs> I mean, it's not why we did it, but I'm glad I'm no longer living there. Let me tell you, <laughs> it was really freaky. Yeah. And if it's like, uh, you have to disclose if it's haunted on, no, no, yeah, nope, nope, is this haunted? It's, no, it's fine. <laughs> Nothing's wrong. The I sink just, just turns on by itself, you know. <laughs> leaky. It's okay. Power turns off for no reason. Bad switch. We'll fi yeah. You'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. Just sign yep. the dotted line. So that's kind of like, you know, it, like I said, it gets, as I've gotten older, things seem to have increased. So, and and I don't know if it's if I'm sensitive or the places I end up because I live in a state with a lot of old houses, you know, and old history, if that's part of it. And I don't know if the people that come and go in my life, like if they're more sensitive. So if that like, oh, I did forget one thing about Remy, like I think she might have been sensitive and I'm not sure I don't I'm not an expert on sleep paralysis and I don't pretend to be or think that it's supernatural or not. You know, I know that there's so many different opinions on it. But her and I, we were actually staying in Hartford in this, like, this apartment. I just feel like it had bad energy. It was in a bad part of town. And we were living there, and she had sleep paralysis one night. But it, like, centered around me. She she woke up in the middle of the night, couldn't move, the classic scenario, you know. And all of a sudden, she said, like, in our bedroom, like, when you walked out, the bathroom was right there. So all of a sudden, she said she heard, like, running water. And then she heard, like, what? like a fan like whoo, 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 like this crazy noise and she couldn't move and she was freaking out and then she saw from the end of our bedroom she could you know you know when you're in sleep paralysis apparently you can't really look to the side or touch the person you're with or whatever so she saw at the end of our bedroom what she thought was me and i guess and back then um i don't even think the ring existed or whatever but it was like she said like my hair was down in front of my face and i was crawling towards her as i have long dark hair and so she was like, she thought it was me, but then as the, the, whatever it was got closer to her, the old hag or the creature or whatever, she could see that it wasn't me. And this thing climbed up on our bed and got in her face and like waved its hands like in her face fast, like the vibration that she was hearing. And she like freaked out. Eventually when she was able to get out of sleep paralysis, she didn't hear the fan noise anymore. There was no water running in the bathroom when I was sleeping right next to her. So kind of like what I said, I don't know if these experiences in my life increased like because the people that I was with are also sensitive or, or what all this means. 
but then when I met Lindsay, who I'm currently with, you know, we're, we're engaged. We've been together like 10 years and we've had some really kind of wild experiences together. So I do kind of maybe believe that, you know, if I'm sensitive and then I'm with somebody else who's sensitive, then that might heighten things. That could be it. But since I've been with her, a lot more has happened. <laughs> Yeah, and that's I mean, when that the, the funeral home incident occurred. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I, I, but I do think I, you might be onto something there. I mean, that might be a very big part of it is that, you know, experiencing things heightened with somebody else around you is more typically prone to having experiences as well. Uh, that might be a simple explanation, but it really might be the most accurate. And that's the thing is like Lindsay, Lindsay's like she, she, she doesn't really like say she believes in anything. She's open to everything, but she has divulged to me that things have happened to her in her life that she's like, like when she was younger, the house that her family owns now, which I'm going to tell you some stories about, um, she saw a man with a hat on in her room when she woke up and she was like probably in her early twenties. And so she'll like, tell me these type of things. So I know she's experienced stuff, but she doesn't always talk about it. So I think she is triggering a lot of these, (laughs) But, but that same bedroom, um, when her and I started dating, actually, I was divorced from Chrissy, but the house was still on the market. So, and she had been in a relationship and then they broke up. So she moved home. So we were actually both living with other people when we first started dating. And the bedroom where she saw the man with the hat is the bedroom that she had when we started dating. So I have a few stories about that room. Um, and her parents' house has some really funky energy. It is an old, big house, you know, out in like the suburbs in like New Haven area of Connecticut. There's a lot of history over there. And so, like her other friends have had experiences there. Like her friend Joe was house-sitting once and the microwave kept turning on by itself. And he finally left. He's like, I am not house-sitting this place anymore. It is crazy. (laughs) So, um, I stayed over her house a lot in the beginning and she had this really cute um, beagle back then named Beasley. And so he would always run up to her bedroom to see us. And if the door was closed, it it like didn't close properly because the doorways would swell. He would run to the door and just bang it open. It was so cute just to come in and hang out with us. So one day we're like hanging out in her room and Beasley comes running up the stairs and boom, he bangs through the door. And, you know, we're expecting him to come in and jump in the bed with us and, and be cute. But instead, he runs in the room and is like, same thing kind of like Neo did, chasing and barking at something that we can't see. And we, like, get up and we're like, oh, my God, what is going on? And try to interact with the dog. And he runs onto Lindsay's bed to the back wall and starts barking up at the corner. And obviously, we couldn't see anything. There was no, like, explanation for that. Um, he eventually calmed down. So no rhyme or reason. And that didn't really happen ever again. But it was odd, considering that's the room where a lot of the activity happened and the room where Lindsay saw the guy with the hat. So flash forward, um, she was at visiting her parents' house and her niece Leo's there. And they were up in that room, Lindsay's old room, playing. This is very recent. And Leah's, uh, I think she was three or four at the time. And all of a sudden, they hear this kind of like weird noise coming from the closet, which is the vicinity that Lindsay saw the guy with the hat. And it's like thud, boom, kind of noises. And then all of a sudden, the door to their closet, her closet slowly opens, click, creak. And her little niece looks at her and goes, what the heck is that? <laughs> Lindsay goes, 
I don't know. <laughs> so she said she went and checked the closet out and couldn't see, like nothing fell. You know, there wasn't like anything knocked over. You know, they don't know why the closet door opened so slowly. And it was very weird. Um, so no explanation for that one. And then at least there's same a room. for that though. I mean, you know, I, I know it's weird. I know it's weird, but at least there was a witness. And, you know, I, I just think when I hear these stories, if I was going through it alone, that's the most scary part about it to me. Yes. Yeah, I know. And just the fact that her little niece is like, what the heck was that? <laughs> what you think? Yeah, it's like, oh, you heard that too. Great. <laughs> yep. Great. Great. You know, and then Lindsay's like the adult. So she has to be, you know, brave. <laughs> oh, it's nothing. Oh, it's probably just that man with a hat, you know? <laughs> I saw him all the time as a kid. You'll see him too. Don't worry about a kid. It's yeah, fine. don't worry about him. <laughs> I'm still living. You'll be fine. So uh, when now flashing back, so when we were first dating, um, that happened with Beasley. But and like I said, I didn't really particularly like the house or the energy in it. But I was sleeping over once, and it was late at night, and Lindsay was probably asleep, and I was falling asleep. And all of a sudden, I hear like this like weird noise. And this is actually going to play into a future story as well, which is kind of odd synchronicity or something. I don't know. But we hear this weird noise. I hear it first, and it's like a plastic bag or something. And it sounds like it's flying all over the room. So I'm like, what the heck? So I wake up Lindsay, and I'm like, Lindsay, what is that noise? Because it's her room. She should know. And she's like, I don't know what that is. And it's dark. But, you know, even in, in, at night, there's sometimes still a little light that comes into the room. So we're kind of looking, we don't see anything, but it sounds like a plastic bag. The best way I can describe it is like dancing around the room on top of like her long desk and across like her exercise machine and like on the opposite side of the room, not coming near us, but it's there and it's starting and stopping and crinkling and moving quickly. So we take our cell phones out and we're looking, can't see anything. And then, of course, the noise stops. We turn the lights on. We look everywhere. No plastic bags, no mice, no animals. I don't know what the heck it was. But it had gone on for like 20 minutes of us just listening there and trying to see what it was. And then as soon as we turn the lights on, it stops. It was very weird. So could it have been wind coming in? I don't think so because the windows were closed. There wasn't a fan on. There were no plastic bags. What it was. I don't know. <laughs> it was wow. definitely weird. And that that plays into something that happened to, I'm kind of looking at my timeline here of all the stuff that happened. Um, we were living in the town we live now, which is Old Saybrook. It's an old sea town in Connecticut. And um, we were actually living in a different house than we're in now. And something similar happened. We were sleeping in our bedroom and our bedroom connects to the kitchen um, and the bathroom. And so like it was a tiny little beach cottage. You walk into the house, you're in the kitchen. To the left is the bedroom, which connects to a bathroom. And then if you go straight through like a galley kitchen, the only part of the house that's left is a living room and like a closet. It was a really small house. And we had um, our dog Duchess was there and my cat Neo at the time. He passed away. So he was, he was still with us then. But um, <clears throat> so we're sleeping and I wake up first because I'm a light sleeper two noises in the kitchen and i'm like what the heck is that because like it didn't sound like my dog it didn't even sound like my cat because you know like when you have animals it's like you know what they sound like and what they're up to and what they're doing and they were as far as i knew asleep 
and the house is pitch black. I literally thought someone was in our house. My heart starts racing. And I hear, now this is weird, I hear the crinkling plastic bag again, but I also swear to God, this is the best way I can describe it. It sounds as though somebody's walking around our kitchen with boots full of water, like galoshes filled with water, <clears throat> like slosh, 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 slosh. And then that crinkling, it's squish, 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 all through the house. Like, I mean, not through the house, but that kitchen area. It's like, start, stop, fast, go, sloshing, crinkling. And my heart is racing. I'm like, who the heck is in our house? All I can picture in my mind is like a sea captain in like a Gordon's fisherman, you know, coat, like, <laughs> like sloshing around my kitchen. So I start elbowing Lindsay. I'm like, get up, get up, get up. I'm like, what the heck is that? So she finally wakes up and she sits there and she, in pitch black, we're just listening to this. And she's nervous. Like, what the freak is that? So, you know, we get up, we get like weapons. <laughs> we get up and we slowly creep through the bedrooms of the bathroom. We're like, whatever it is, we're going to do a surprise attack because I'm really believing there's a man in the house. So we, we slink through the bedroom, through the kitchen silently, and then we boom, turn the lights on. And the kitchen is empty, not even a dog nor cat. So we're like, what the heck? So now we start ripping the kitchen apart. And mind you, it's a small kitchen, and I'm a pretty clean person. So like there wasn't like clutter or, you know, what the heck is this? So then we, we're flipping the lights on, going through the kitchen. We walk down the galley hallway, flip on the lights in the living room, and the dog and cat are asleep on the couch blinking at us because we just turned the light on. Like they were out. They did not hear this. So, I mean, my dog's a hound. When she hears something, she's going to at least get up, you know, and investigate it and let me know. But she didn't wake up. And it was so loud that we literally thought someone was in the house. And there was no explanation for that. In fact, it never happened again. So I, I don't know what that was, but it's kind of weird how the crinkling was really similar to what happened in Lindsay's house that time. It's, I don't know what it was. It freaked me out, though, like a lot. Like I literally thought I was going to have to interact with a stranger yeah, and I, call the police or something. Yeah. I mean, that's, what I, that's how I would react. I mean, I react to that. I do that stuff all the time. I mean, <laughs> I yeah. hear noises in my house and stuff. The first thing I do is I grab a weapon and I'm like, you stay here Investigate. and I'm going to go look around. If you hear anything crazy, call the police. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> but there, it's like, but there was just no, you know, and it's not like, I don't know. It's not like it was something that we could explain just the noises and the sporadicness of it. It was like human, you know, but not, I don't know. To this day, I still think about it. Like, I'll just catch myself driving in my truck and I'm like, hmm, what the heck was that? And why did it sound so similar to what was in Lindsay's room that night, however many years ago, you know? But so some other things happened with her, um, you know, aside from the funeral home, I'll get to that. But some other stuff in this, I am not an expert on by any means. And in fact, I wasn't even interested in the subject of lights in the sky or aliens and stuff until this happened. But one day, um, was this maybe like, I'm trying to think, 2015, 2014? I don't know. Lindsay and I were um, hiking on a bike trail in Hamden with our two friends and four, uh, four dogs. And at one point, our friends went up ahead of us um, to like this area where there are farm animals and they brought their dogs and they were taking pictures. And we hung back by um, like a river cutting through the bike area and we were taking pictures of our dogs. And we finished up and we were going to go meet up with our friends. And all of a sudden, 
we see above the tops of the trees. So maybe 10 to 15 feet above us, like lights. Um, and this is middle of the day, like probably 2 p.m. You know, sunny, warm, everything's fine. No clouds, no fireworks, no nothing. And there's like these weird lights just kind of hovering above us. They weren't drones. I mean, you know, you could, I cannot describe what these lights were. And they were like moving in a way that I didn't, that isn't possible for like planes to move, but they were obviously too low and too small to be planes. And it was almost like they were just hovering there watching us and occasionally zipping around. And like, and what's really weird about this experience is that we didn't tell our friends and we didn't really talk about it. We noted the lights, tried to figure out what they were, and then somehow kind of just left our brains and we moved on, if that makes sense. And met up with our friends and, you know, everything was fine and dandy. And then later on, about a month later at our house in our backyard, we were living in Wallingford. So it was about 20 minutes from that spot, 20 to 30 minutes from that spot in Hamden. We're in the backyard with my dog. All of a sudden, the lights are back. And our backyard kind of went out from the house. We rented a top floor of a house. It went out level with the ground. Our backyard dipped down into like a little valley and there was trees coming up there. And these lights were there above the trees again. Almost the same exact experience as the first time. And then that was it. And in fact, we didn't even really talk about it a lot. It's something that over the years we've started talking about more, but it was almost like when it happened, we didn't maybe think it was as, as significant as it was. Like, what the heck were these lights? And why did they keep popping up? And why didn't it dawn on us to, like, investigate that more? I, don't, I can't explain it. Well, and I, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It, well, I was going to say that's really the – I mean, we've seen weird things in the sky that we can't explain. But now we live by the beach. So, you know, people light off lanterns and there's kinds of all different flying craft and helicopters. So we don't really, you know – I guess I, I'm trying to say is I've never seen anything as odd as that in the sky. That's, you know, struck me as unexplainable since then. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times people come across, you know, these UFOs or have these dramatic experience. And I'm not saying yours was like, you know, horrifying or dramatic in that sense, but like just things happen to people. And for whatever reason, it doesn't, it doesn't dawn on them to, to, you know, investigate it, look into it more, talk about it, tell anybody, it just kind of slips their minds and it just makes me feel like, sometimes there's some kind of like hypnotic effect that these things yeah. are having on people. Uh, yes. Did you feel weird at all or just, you know, it's like, it, you know what, Tony, it's almost like I can't remember it fully. Like, in fact, I even forgot about the Wallingford until Lindsay said it to me the other day. And I was like, yes. Oh my God. And then it started to come back to me, but it's almost like hazy. I can picture it in my mind, but like the end result of the situation, it's hazy. Like we just ended up going back to whatever we were doing. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. It's things like that, that make me feel like there's more to this life than what we can explain because, uh, it, that just doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense to, to totally forget. And you're not the only one. I mean, people do that all the time that they, they totally forget about things until somebody jogs their memory about something that was like, wow, how did I forget that? You know, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I've heard so many people say that they forget 
paranormal experiences or UFO experiences. And I'm just like, come on. I mean, really? We're all yeah. forgetting these things? Yeah. What is going on? Are we being... We're in exactly. a freaking matrix. That's what's going on. Yes. Well, I've heard that. Like, I've had friends who told me experiences like that they had in the middle of the night that were really scary, like paranormal. And they just end up going back to sleep. It, but, you know, they're right. Their reasonable mind is like, how the heck did I go back to sleep? That was terrifying. <laughs> But you're right. Yeah. Maybe we're actually being made to go back to sleep or we think we're asleep. Or I I don't know. That to me still is like a blurry part of my brain. That It's another thing that when I do think about it, I just have questions. You know, I just have yeah. lots of questions. Well, that's understandable. I think that a lot of people have questions about this kind of stuff. And once you experience it and you, you have your story, uh, usually you have more questions than answers. Uh, that's why we have this podcast. If we yeah. all had the answers, we wouldn't have a podcast for this stuff. So thank God for lack of answers. So. That's right. I just want to learn more. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, and I guess what, like at this point now where we live, um, it's still an old Saybrook. Um, so it's still like a town, a lot of history and I think energy around, it, especially being like right on the water, like we're near salt river. I just feel like that brings in a lot of energy. And our old house was on that same river where we experienced, <clears throat> you know, the, the galoshes man or whatever you want to call him. But in this house, we haven't experienced too much, except I had this really beautiful experience with my cat. And I'm I, obviously I'm an animal person and I feel like I've kind of always been drawn to them. So I don't know if I'm sensitive to that energy too, but my cat Neo, I've had him since I was 19 and I'm going to be 40. So, <laughs> so last year he passed away. We were living in this house. And it was like really hard because I just, I guess having him in my life, pretty much my whole life, I never realized like once he passed, how much I would miss him and his energy was so good. And I just, when he passed away, it was like, I could immediately feel him gone. So we had come back from putting him to sleep um, and we were in our house and I was just like feeling the, the loss of him and his energy and just like, really sad. And I was like, kind of crying to Lindsay, like, I wish I could just tell him so many things. I didn't realize <clears throat> so many things. And he had died from, he got, he had um, a problem with his thyroids. He was on all these medications and his immune system was down. He got an infection in his throat and ears and he ended up building up like an abscess in his throat that we just couldn't get control of. But the point of this is he had this terrible kind of smell about him the, the like a few days before he passed away. And it was like a distinct undeniable smell <clears throat> whenever he breathed so you knew it was him and obviously it wasn't good so i'm standing there talking to Lindsay, like crying it's the middle of winter the there's no fans the windows are closed all of a sudden i'm like i wish i could just tell him and then the smell it like hit us full force it was neo you know we could smell the sickness right undeniable smell and it circle. It was like around us. And she goes, "Well, apparently he's listening, so you might as well tell him." So I did. I just poured my heart out, and then it was like I felt such a beautiful like relief. You know, even though I was crying, I felt so much love in my heart. And then the smell was gone. And it's just that I think, aside from the other story I'm going to tell you, and it just it blew me away because I've never experienced anything so vivid like this. He was really something was communicating with me that he was there, he could hear me. Like, I cannot explain that smell, you know? Yeah, you know, and that's that's something that a lot of times people claim to have experienced, uh, especially with a sense of smell. 
uh, I remember when I first started the show, I was talking to a friend from my childhood about what I was about to do. And uh, he, he, you know, he doesn't believe in the Bigfoot stuff, even though his dad and uncle experienced one together in New York. Um, But him and I were talking and he's like, you know, I do have this one story though. And he told me how uh, he was, I think he was visiting his grandfather's grave. And uh, when he got back in his truck to leave, he smelled his grandfather in his truck. And uh, it was like, you know, comforting. And, you know, to be honest with you, I've heard that a couple of times now, and it's always been in the sense of a comforting thing. It's like somebody or something is just letting you know that, you know, they're okay or it's okay or whatever. I don't know. But uh, the people who are receiving the smell tend to find more comfort in it than than not, at least for me and my experiences talking to people. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely did. It was like, I felt like I lost him and I could never like say anything like it was just so sudden you know all of a sudden he gets sick and then he dies and it was like years of a relationship and so then just to be feeling so sad and so like at a loss then to have him like shoot in and be there it was it was comforting it was supremely comforting and it really just reinforced a lot of the things i believe you know like i do believe we go somewhere i do believe we see each other again and so I, I, that really was one of the things in my life that stands out to me the most is like proof to me that there is something else going on, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, kind of like, I have another, this is a little offshoot, but my mom, how I said she doesn't, you know, she doesn't believe in the supernatural or she doesn't really like, she's very like, you know, she's Catholic, but she also kind of thinks that like a lot of supernatural stuff is foolish. However, she told me this story about my grandfather and how he kind of brought her comfort. He had passed away under some not very good circumstances. You see, he grew up in the Adirondacks and he was like, you know, a woodsman. And and when an animal, one of his pets was sick and it wasn't going to get better, you'd take it outside and you'd put it to sleep. You know, you'd shoot it. It didn't see you, didn't know it was coming and he'd put it out of its misery. And that's kind of old school and how he, he was raised. So he got real sick with cancer and he wasn't doing well and he was miserable and they just couldn't get him in check in the hospital and couldn't eat, you know, it was just a mess. So unfortunately he took his own life and uh, my mom being a Catholic was just so destroyed over that because she, you know, really believed like he's not going to move on. He's going to be stuck in purgatory. Like she was just worried about his soul so much. So even though she's not a big believer in anything, she talked to him and she was like, you know, dad, can you give me a sign? Just please give me a sign that you're okay, that you're going to move on that, you know, like you're not stuck. And she tried thinking like, what could I ask him for? Cause I want to be specific. She's like, I really want to know he's communicating with me. So she thought about it and she's a, she's a nature person too, being from the Adirondacks. And she thought, well, I know what I'll ask him for a deer. I want him to bring me a deer. And she lives in Avon, Connecticut. So it's like a wooded area. So seeing a deer wouldn't be out of the norm. But she thought, well, I want to see a deer and I want to know it's for me. So I want him to bring it in my yard because deers aren't, they're not normally going to just, you know, pop into like her, where she lives is kind of a busy area, lots of streets and people and cars coming and going um, and like a kind of a fast street near her. So she doesn't usually get deer. So she's like, well, I'll ask him for a deer and bring it in my yard. And, you know, then I'll, you know, I'll know he's okay. So a couple days later, her husband, my stepdad, he's like, and look at there's uh deer tracks out in the garden you know and she's thinking oh how nice maybe that was him and then she thought well i mean deer they eventually if they're hungry enough they'll come down and eat your garden so she goes well i want to be specific so she thought about it more and she was like 
I want a buck. I want a big old buck and I want to see this deer and I want it to come to me and I want it to tell me that you're okay. And I think it was like a week later, she does the story obviously so much better than I do. But a week later, she was in the kitchen and where you stand in her kitchen, you can actually see out of her dining room window to where the garden is. And she looks up and like at the window, looking in her house is a buck, a big old buck with antlers looking in the window. And she said she froze. She felt like the deer was scared, like it didn't want to be there. And she was mesmerized and it was just looking at her. And she, she turned and called my stepdad. And she was like, Rick, oh my God, come here. And when she looked back, he was gone. But to her, that was just my grandpa telling her, hey, I'm okay. Everything is fine. Like, I'll send you your buck if that's what you want. <laughs> so um, basically, you know, nothing else really happens in the house that we're at. Uh, that Neo thing was really the, the most noteworthy thing here, except we just, you know, we see the dogs seeing things that we can't see. Their eyes follow them and they look around and we don't really know what they're looking at. But other than that, nothing here. So I guess basically the story I have that affected me the most, that's really changed my life. Um, it was in like 20, probably 14 that this occurred and Lindsay and I were first dating. Um, we went up to the Adirondacks to see my family. I'm very close with my aunt and uncle and cousins up there, and it's not too far from Connecticut. So, and so my mom was born and raised in a small town up there right outside of Lake Placid. So um, every now and then I'll go up and, and stay with my family, and they, have, uh, they own a funeral home. My uncle, Andrew, was an under undertaker, and he, his dad was a, a funeral director and owned a funeral home, and he inherited it. So it's been in the family for years. Um, so in the funeral home, it's it's a very large house, multifamily, and the bottom of the funeral home is the business where the embalming room, you know, the visitation rooms, the offices, everything is. And then the top of the house is basically, it's an apartment, a very large house-sized apartment on top of it. And they also own the buildings surrounding the property. So for instance, my uncle and aunt live in a multifamily building behind the funeral home above my cousin Chris. And then my other cousin, Tim, rents one of the houses next to the funeral home. So it's like a family compound, sort of. And my uncle's retired and kind of sold most of the funeral home off, but still lives there and, and is, you know, he'll fill in um, when they need him to. So during this time frame, he was filling in. Um, I was staying there. I brought Lindsay with me to meet my family. We were staying up in the apartment above the funeral home. And also my cousin Anne had come in from LA with her boyfriend, Andrew, and we were all kind of getting together. And so Anne and Andrew were staying in the funeral home with me and Lindsay and my dog, Duchess. I only had one dog at the time. And then across the way was like across the cul-de-sac from the funeral home is my aunt and uncle and the multifamily with my cousin, Chris. So that kind of plays into this. So we arrive now just a little background on Duchess. She is a really, really well-behaved greyhound. She is, I've had, I, I adopted her at two months old and I have had her now she's turning 12. So this dog is super well-behaved, super friendly, trained. Um, I'm a dog trainer. So she basically was my demo dog for years when she was a puppy even. So, I mean, she will do any command and, and listens and doesn't, isn't destructive and is really calm and mellow. So we get to the funeral home, which I've stayed at a million times, and it's Duchess's first time and Lindsay's first time. 
And we get there, and immediately Duchess is not happy. Now, I bring her with me everywhere. Like, if I go out to dinner, she used to sleep in the back of my car while I was out to dinner. Like, this dog goes with me everywhere. Um, and she just was really anxious. We get there, and she's not happy, and she keeps trying to come with me and follow me everywhere I go. And for the whole week that, they were, that we were there, it was like got increasingly worse, to the point where I didn't want to leave her at all. So I just kept her with me. Um, and, you know, I try, you know, Lindsay understands like, hey, this isn't Duchess, you know, something's wrong. But of course, my cousins and aunt and uncle, they like think I'm nuts. I'm like, she's fine. She's fine. So the night before our last day there, we're going to be leaving the next day. We're all going to go out for a fancy dinner in town. And so, um, like, I'll kind of give you a layout of the funeral home. So when you when you get to the funeral home itself, the front of it, you kind of go in a driveway into the back. And there's a cul-de-sac back there with, like, the hearse parking and all that is. And my family's house is surrounding that cul-de-sac. So we always enter the house through the back stairs. Um, it's kind of just like the business entrance is in the front and then the family entrance is in the back. So you, you go up the back stairs, which goes, they lead above the funeral home, kind of sort of where the embalming area is where the bodies enter. And you, you go up the stairs and then you enter like a huge kitchen, which I would say is something like 10 feet long by, or 12 feet long by 10 feet. It's a very large room. And when you pass through the kitchen, then you enter a hallway and in the hallway is the door leading downstairs, and that's down into the embalming room and the funeral home. And if you go past that, um, there's multiple bedrooms. It's a very large house. There's a formal sitting room, and then there's an attic, and then there is a front entrance that would lead out to the, the street. So that kind of gives you a background for the story. So the last night that we're going to go out to dinner, we try to leave out the back door. And Duchess is like freaking out. She's trying to come with me. She's like slamming into me. It's so not like her. And I, I didn't want to leave her. You know, everything in my gut was like, don't leave her. But I did. You know, I went with my family and they're like, she'll be fine. We'll be gone an hour. And so I left her. And then um, we come back home and it definitely took more than an hour. And I open the door and my dog bursts out. She's panting. Like her mouth is red, her throat is red, she's gasping, like she's just frantic. And this is a calm, docile dog. And like her eyes were like spinning almost like like Looney Tune character, you know, when they have the spiral eyes when they're hypnotized or something. It's kind of how worked up she was. So my cousin's like, oh my gosh, you know, and Lindsay and I were kind of really nervous. I get her outside, she calms down a little, but she was just really worked up. So I bring her over to my cousin Chris's house. You know, he's across the way and he's really good with animals and we always hang out with him over there anyway. So Ann and Andrew, um, they hang back, you know, they're not really concerned and they want to get to bed early because they have a flight back to LA the next day. So we stay at Chris's, you know, until Duchess calms down. It took a while. And then we were just hanging out. We didn't really like drink any beers or anything because we had to be up early the next day. We were just talking about life and Duchess, and, you know, everything. So around midnight, we think it's time. Okay, we finally got to go back, get some rest. She's calm. Everything will be all right. So we go back into the house. We enter to the back. We go into the big kitchen area. And mind you, it's like August, so it's super hot. So what they have in there doesn't have central air being an old house. The, the funeral home has air, but upstairs doesn't. So they have just one big unit in the kitchen, a really large kitchen. That's kind of where we'd been keeping Duchess all week because it was hot. 
And um, then the door leading into the rest of the house and the bedrooms and stuff is closed because Anne and Andrew are sleeping and, and the air is being kept in there. So as soon as we get back into that big kitchen, my dog starts getting uncomfortable again. And I mean, she's with me. Like she, I'm her hero. Like she's not scared of anything if I'm around. And she was just like terrified. And Lindsay's like, well, why don't we stay up and, you know, we'll pack our stuff in the kitchen and, you know, see if she doesn't calm down. And Okay. So Lindsay and I are one side of the, the kitchen, not where the AC is. The AC is all the way on the other side of that big room. And I said to her, wow, this is the weirdest thing. I am getting a cold spot, like just on my arm, just in this one area. She's like, what? So she, I show her where it is. She puts her hand in and she pulls her hand out, puts it in. And she's like, it's freezing. And I'm like, I know it's really weird. And Duchess is getting increasingly more like worked up. And then Lindsay starts to get nervous. And I'm just, I'm not like a brave person, but I'm very protective, especially of the people I love and my dog. <laughs> so I start getting mad. I'm like, what is it? And the cold spot starts moving like it's picking on me, you know, but scaring my dog and Lindsay. So I'm like, oh, you know, what the heck? So I kind of like just start getting worked up. And I'm like, whatever this is, it's got to leave you guys alone. I'm like, just let's sit down and just, let's recuperate. So I sit on the floor leaning against the cabinets and I was like, and Lindsay like sat between my legs and Duchess sat next to me. And I was like, just stay here with me. And I'll protect you guys. You know, whatever this is, we'll figure it out. And my poor dog is just so worked up. So I don't, I didn't. And then now like after doing more research into things like the supernatural, I found out I actually did do something that probably was the right thing to do was I told it to go away. I was like, I don't know what you are or what you're doing. You leave me alone. You leave my family alone. You stop picking on my dog. You know, get the heck out of here. Like I was getting mad. And as I was saying these things, I could feel a cold spot like coming up my leg, like moving on my body. And I wasn't even scared. I was just so mad, I think, because it had messed with my dog. And she's just so innocent and sweet. I was so angry. <laughs> so I basically yelled at it and told it to go away. And, and it was like in that split, it all happened fast, so just bear with me. That like split second that I was like, get out of here and leave us alone, go away. My dog, she shot her head to the right and up at the top of the ceiling, like in the corner of the room. And we were like kind of sitting in the middle. So naturally I move my head to follow her gaze and I look up and I don't know if it materialized, if it had been there. This I cannot fully describe. I'll give you the best description that I can. I look up and I see something and it's black. It's black and translucent, like a shadow, but it's also like energetic. Like when you look at a highway in the heat and it's, you can see the rippling heat coming off the asphalt. It was like it's undulating almost or, or electric alive. And this shadow had that sort of like consistency and it was like a black something. And the best way I can describe what it looked like, and I don't know why these are the two things that really stick with me, is like bat wings, like it appeared like bat wings, or Robin's mask from Batman, like that sort of black shape. And it looked almost like a stingray because it had like a tail or a trail coming off the bottom of it. It didn't have any, like there was no facial features. It was just like this thing. But I swear to God, it like materialized or I noticed it. And then it like, almost like it looked at us, like it made eye contact. And it, it lasted in my mind like 10 minutes, but this was like a split second. We look up, I see this thing. I can't conceptualize what it is. And then in an instant, it's gone. And I don't know if it just bloop, disappeared or if it 
fizzled out or if it, it just was gone. And I was in shock and I, and Duchess was looking in that direction and I was looking up there and I just kind of like thought in my mind, how the heck am I going to formulate this? And as I'm thinking that Lindsay goes, do not tell me that you didn't just see that. <laughs> <laughs> so she saw it too. So then I'm like, I snapped back into reality and I was like, Oh my God, what the heck was that? And she goes, I don't know. So we start describing it together. And she's like, it was like black and it looked like a bat. And I was like, yeah, it was like undulating like heat on a highway. And she's like, yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh. It looked like a stingray with a tail. And we're going back and forth. And I mean, it was like the size maybe of a house cat or smaller. You know, I'm going off of like a split second of seeing it. And so it wasn't large. It wasn't humanoid. It wasn't animal. It was like a weird shadow figure of something. But it was like it was had a it had a presence, like it was a being or a entity or the, like I said, I felt like it made eye contact with, like it acknowledged, I hear you, I hate you, I hear you, but I have to leave. You know that sort of like bad energy, but you kicked me out, sort of thing, and it was gone. And then it was shoot, like the air went back to normal, like the energy calmed down. Duchess calmed down. Lindsay and I weren't calm, but we ended up being able to go to sleep after that. Like we talked about it for a bit and then we're like, you know what, whatever it is, it's gone and we got to get up in the morning. So what, you know, like we were really present for that afterwards. It wasn't like we just fell asleep. We were really like, what the heck? And um, to this day, we still talk about it and we'll really sit down and be like, no, what was that? You know, and of course we have no answers. My cousin, Anne, of course, thinks I'm not, oh, and I didn't, it's a part of the story I left out. While we were gone, Duchess tore the carpet up. Try, and she she does not do destructive things unless she is scared. It's the only time this dog, like, we live near the beach. So around 4th of July that week, we can't leave her alone because she'll tear up the house. Like, she digs. She digs to escape when she's scared. So the odd thing about it is we were coming and going out of that back door the whole time. So Duchess only knew that way in and out. Yet she dug up the opposite side of the room, another door leading into the rest of the house. Hmm. So, and, and where we saw that thing in the, the right-hand corner of the room was by the, the door leading out where we were coming and going. So she, it, it was almost like she clearly tried to get away from that side of the house and dig her way out of the room, which wouldn't make sense because you're coming and going out of the other door. So, you know, my cousins kind of were like, thought we were nuts. My, my uncle begrudgingly fixed the carpet. <laughs> and... um I did find out from my cousin later on, she did divulge that there was a body in the bombing room um, during that time period. And it was, it was actually a suicide. So there was some energy there. I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's a funeral home. How many bodies come and go? And it's multi-generational yeah. funeral homes. So, you know, how many energies linger there or come and go or stay there? I don't know. Well, I, I would say that it's a funeral home. So... <laughs> I mean, listen, when you were, when you were going there, I mean, this is Lindsay's first time going there. Yeah. So was there a conversation? Like, did she say, Hey, you know, you've been here before. Has there ever been anything weird happen? Or I don't know. Why are we sleeping at a funeral home? <laughs> you know? Like, I didn't know yeah. we were on a ghost hunting tour, <laughs> things like that. Well, so, so basically Lindsay and I kind of jive on certain things. Like we're very like morbid, like, you know, we like 
watch the serial killer shows and stuff. Like things don't really phase us. <laughs> and I guess because I've grown up with that being their profession and it's like my part of my family I love so much. It's always like just fun to be there. I don't think of it. I never was scared of it. Like it was never something that was like weird. So when I brought it up to Lindsay, I was pleasantly surprised that she was like, cool, we have a free place to stay and it's a nice house. Awesome. <laughs> but that being said, whenever my, when my parents were married, whenever my mom tried to get my dad to visit and stay at the funeral home, he would not do it. <laughs> well, I don't blame He's him. like, nope. <laughs> yeah. I, I listen, I, there's no way I'm, I'm staying at a funeral home. No, <laughs> not happening. It's not happening. I don't care. Not but it's such happening. a nice house. <laughs> I don't care. There's a lot of nice houses. Now, not, there's a lot of nice hotels too, okay? With pools and I workout know. rooms. I like free. I can't help it. <laughs> you know well, what? Now, hey, you know, you know what's free? What, you know what's free? The opportunity. Because now what they did is since my uncle sort of sold off the funeral home since he's retired. I mean, he's still kind of active when they need him, but he lives in Florida half the year or so. Um, now, I wouldn't have the opportunity because they rent it out, but... If they did, I think I still would. I think I, I don't know, actually. I don't know if I'd stay there again. Probably. <laughs> no. Listen, you, you like free. So the, the, the underpass down the street's free, too, where the homeless people sleep. You can, you can hang there for the night, okay? I'm not sleeping in a funeral home. It's just not happening. <laughs> I don't blame. Most people wouldn't either. I don't blame you. I think it's just normal to me because I grew up with it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And my cousin's grandparents, you know, my uncle, he's my uncle by marriage. His parents lived up there for years. So we would go up there and visit them and get, like, cookies and pet the dog and stuff. So it's like, you know? It was just a normal place to be. <laughs> yeah, normal for the family, I guess. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Odd, though. <laughs> so that's kind of like, I would have to say, the most... And for Lindsay and I, we've had a lot of other weird synchronicities and stuff, like weird stuff that's happened us while we're dating. But the stories I said where we actually heard and saw and experienced things were the, the, the most that stuck out to me. But the one where we saw it apparition an entity a light formation whatever it was i don't think anyone could ever tell me that wasn't something supernatural because i experienced it it's nothing like in the textbooks you know it's nothing that science can explain like unless also me Lindsay, and the dog were collectively hallucinating like i don't you know what the heck was that because like i said even the dog was the reason we looked like she turned her head sharply and that was like we both look and there it is. Like, what the heck was that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the, a common thing throughout a lot of your experiences is, you know, animals and how animals react to certain things, the cat and dog. Yeah. I think the dog definitely had something happening. I, I feel for the dog because you don't know and we don't know what that dog went through when you were gone, but uh, clearly something um, something happened. And Tony, I've never seen her that like, we, I remember one fourth of July, what was really crazy here. We had the beaches like, cause we live like on a little marsh, they were all competing and she was terrified of the fireworks. They were like competing fireworks across the beaches. And she wasn't even as scared that day than she was the day that I found her in the funeral home. Like she was, I thought, I mean, literally if she probably had been there longer, she would have had a heart attack. Something was messing with her and I was so mad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can mess with my dog. Yeah, for sure. I, I get it. I mean, uh, dogs are family, and uh, and you know, you being a dog trainer and stuff, you're more sensitive to you know understanding the dogs psychologically than probably a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I could just really pick up on her fear. 
you know, the visible and the stuff that you just feel in the air. And it was like something was picking on her. And I just can't fathom, you know, what it was. But I saw it, you know, with my own two eyes. And, you know, I tell people that story and they think I'm nuts. And then I encounter some people who are like, I've seen something like that, you know. <laughs> it was in the shape of a human, but it was a black shadow, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, these black shadows definitely pop up throughout people's lives and their experiences and stuff. And usually it's a, it's usually a pretty scary experience. <laughs> I mean, the black shadow yeah. comes for you, you know? <laughs> so, uh, well, I'll tell you what, Bridget, I thank you for, very much for coming on the show and sharing these experiences. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I don't care where you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it, because that's the best thing you could do to help the show grow. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care. And remember, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Bye. Show me a piece of your heart, a piece of your love. I'm calling you up to getting down, down, down. The way that we touch. It's never enough I'm turning you up to getting down, down Show me a piece of your heart A piece of your love I'm calling you up to getting down, down, down The way that we touch is never enough I'm turning you up to getting down, down, down What? Sorry, just quickly What if it's Da-da-da Da-da-da Down, down, down Down, down, down